Welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Diva. My mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. Today's PCOS Diva podcast is sponsored by the seven-day Discover Your PCOS Diva Jumpstart program. Jumpstart is the place to begin when you're ready to commit to yourself and jump into your healing journey. Learn step-by-step how diet, lifestyle, and mindset changes can get you on the right path. You'll be thrilled to feel your energy return, brain fog lift, acne begin to clear, and so much more. Visit PCOSDiva.com slash jumpstart for more information and to get started today. If you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com. There I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a PCOS diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram as well. So today, by popular demand, I have back on the PCOS Diva podcast, Dr. Keisha Ewers, and she's the founder of the Academy for Integrative Medicine. She's an integrative medicine expert, doctor of sexology, psychotherapist, board-certified functional medicine provider, Ayurvedic practitioner, medicine woman, and best-selling author, speaker, and mother of four. Wow, such an accomplished woman, and she was on the PCOS Diva podcast um, back in episode 59, and we talked about the five root causes of low libido and PCOS. So definitely check that out. You'll learn how PCOS can affect your libido and what to do about it, the pill and its impact on libido, and stress, how that causes low libido, and then what to do about it. So today, I'm so thrilled that she agreed to come back on the podcast because we're going to be talking about childhood trauma and its connection with PCOS. In her work, Dr. Keisha helps women reverse autoimmune disease, heal their childhood trauma, and make friends with the women they see in the mirror. So, so happy to have you back, Dr. Keisha. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here again with you. Uh, this community is just such a rock star community you've built, so... So happy to be here with all of you. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, it's it's really kind of a hot topic, especially in my private Facebook community. Uh, I think that because it's a safe space to sort of talk about um, the connection between childhood tra- trauma, whether that includes, you know, sexual abuse or not, and how that may have manifested PCOS. And there's there's just a lot of women really resonating with that topic. And that's why I was hoping that you could come on and sort of shed some light for us. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, it's interesting because it, the connection between childhood trauma is so clear now between autoimmune disease, cancer, and of course, PCOS has been reclassified as autoimmune in a lot of different places um, in the literature. Um, of course, there are several different root causes, but you know, looking at it as um, it's a compilation of 
all of the things that have happened to you and that you've experienced to date is being crystallized in your body is one of the wisdom, I don't know, pearls from Ayurvedic medicine that I think is really compelling. One of the things that this this 10,000 year old sister science of yoga says is that whatever's in your mind crystallizes in your body. You know, and people will say, so are you telling me it's my fault then, you know? And I say, well, no, this isn't, this isn't a, a blame party. You know, this isn't a thing where we say there's something to blame or someone to blame or shame involved in it. It's just like a law of physics. This happens and then there's a consequence. So therefore, what can we do to alter that reality? And if you stop, step from that place, instead of from a blaming and shaming place of yourself, of life, of God, of another person that hurt you, then you can actually have true healing. And that's been my mission and purpose for quite a long time now, because of course, I had to learn this for myself. <laughs> and can you tell us a little bit about your story and your healing journey? Yeah. Yeah, so like like you, Amy, you know, everybody that has uh, gotten passionate about helping other people, it's usually because we have a story of our own. I always say, uh, you know, the, the old saying, necessity is the mother of invention, couldn't be truer. So when I was 30, I'm 54 right now, when I was 30, I was a marathon runner, raising four children, um, worked in a very high intensity medical environment in the intensive care unit and was just really kind of this perfectionist that didn't know she was a perfectionist and an overachiever that didn't know she was an overachiever and and trying to be super mom, you know, bringing home the bacon, frying it up in a pan and trying to look hot at the same time. But I always say women, we trap ourselves in right now. And, you know, this is what my patients will always say too is, All of a sudden, and I'm going to put that in air quotes, I woke up one morning and I'd gone from being, you know, the peak of physical health and the pinnacle of my life's energy to flattened. I couldn't get out of bed. I had gained 10 pounds of puffiness overnight and my joints were red and swollen and inflamed. And, you know, it was just like this dramatic thing that had happened during the middle of the night. This will sometimes happen to people after childbirth or after a stressful event in their lives. And it comes on like a ton of bricks and you, you experience it as all of a sudden, but it's not really all of a sudden. It's sort of the straw finally broke the camel's back. So I wound up, um, my husband got me into a, a physician and I, um, you know, was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And when she was taking my history, I let her know that my grandfather had had RA also, and so she basically kind of closed the book on it, put it on the shelf, and ripped off two prescriptions off of her prescription pad for me. One was for methotrexate, which is a strong cancer-fighting drug with a lot of really bad side effects, and the other was for a very strong non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, and she said, take these, and when you get worse, not if you get worse, but when you get worse, come back and we'll change, you know, give you stronger medication. And I said, well, is there anything else I can do? You know, I'm very, very disciplined and I I make all my food from scratch. I eat very healthy, you know, and I'll do whatever it takes. And she said, no, food has nothing to do with this. And, you know, this is all genetic. So I'm afraid you've basically gone the short end of the genetic lotto, you know. It's interesting because, uh, 
you know, you and I both know, Amy, that today that same story is still being told to unsuspecting people who go in in pain, you know, that food has nothing to do with it and here's your medication and come back when you get worse. So I went home thinking there has to be a different way and went to the internet and started looking in the literature where we keep our science, it's called PubMed, and you know, looking for other ways of dealing with autoimmunity. And I found an article that looked at the a positive research for yoga and autoimmune disease. So I went to my first yoga class. And from there, my yoga teacher said something about this word Ayurveda, you know, which is, as I said, the medical arm of yoga. It was enough of an intriguing, you know, commentary that he made in his very first yoga class of mine that I went home. And the funny thing is, is um, I ran home because I was a runner. <laughs> so I had run to the yoga class five miles and run home five miles, pushing this poor body that had, had red and inflamed joints. I had taken a bunch of um, ibuprofen and run to the yoga class and run back. You know, I mean, that's how hard I was on my body and how I really believed, you know, no pain, no gain. And that if pain's there, you just need to take something to get rid of it and push on, you know. That's the kind of mindset and mentality that I was in in those days. So my poor body. So I, uh, I got on the internet and looked up Ayurvedic medicine and lo and behold, the sort of revolutionary concept was presented to me, which is we're not all the same. And I know that sounds kind of funny, but I worked in, in a strictly Western medical model at that time in the intensive care unit, and we matched symptom to drug. And there was no really no thought entertained about the idea that there could be different body types. And, you know, it's why the same drug is given to multiple people and there are so many different bad things that happen and we have a litigious society is we have this, this weird thinking that we can standardize medicine and that we are standardized people. But Ayurveda blew that open for me. And and said, you know, no, we have these different body types and you're supposed to feed and water them and take care of them in different ways. And oh, by the way, autoimmune disease is undigested anger. And I remember reading that and being kind of mad, like, I'm an angry person. <laughs> and thinking, I'm a, you know, I didn't have these words at the time, but I was definitely the consummate people pleaser, the caregiver, the person that cared about and cared for everybody else besides myself. And, you know, I just ignored all messages from my own body. So that stepped me onto this path of really becoming what I call, you know, getting into a collaborative relationship with my whole being rather than a combative one. And that's one of the things that I try to really stress a lot is if you're at war with yourself, then there's no winner, and that's a combative relationship. And so that, you know, the more that we try and force something to happen that's not wanting to happen, the more that we lose. So I got into this very collaborative relationship and started listening to my body in a way that Ayurveda was teaching me. In other words, um, how to meditate, you know, how to take a rest, how to listen when I was in pain instead of just taking something to mask it over. And... Uh, slowly, slowly, over a six-month period, doing a lot of different things, including learning how to meditate, 
Um, I was able to reverse my RA within six months and it's never been back. But part of what I discovered in that process was one day during meditation, I was examining this word autoimmune. And I realized auto means I'm attacking myself and that there's nothing to blame. Just, just, you know, I was in that blame and shame mentality at that time. And I was looking for something to be, you know, the reason why I was sick. And so when I saw the word auto in my mind's eye, I went, oh, that's me. And so I started really examining that. And, and I thought, gosh, you know, autoimmune means if I'm, if I'm attacking myself, that means I'm trying to kill myself. I'm really committing suicide. And so when's the first time I wanted to die? And that was a really compelling and life-changing question um, that I asked at that moment. And, and so I went backwards in my meditation, sort of followed my timeline backwards. And I discovered this 10-year-old little girl version of myself who definitely wanted to die. I was being sexually abused by the vice principal of my elementary school. And I remember just thinking, oh, this has to have something to do with my current reality because I certainly don't want to die right now. I love my life. You know, I love my children and I love this, this life that I've, we've created for ourselves. So this has to have something to do with it. So I started uh, immediately really working on this as if it was the root cause for me. In addition to some of the other things I was doing, like changing up my diet, learning my food sensitivities and learning how to take care of my individual body type. And, you know, I, I know that that was a big piece of why I was able to reverse it as rapidly as I was, because I started into this practice that had to include, uh, among other things, and I know this will sound, I, I try hard not to say this right away because I don't want people moving instantly into it, but forgiveness is a very inexpensive medical intervention it's very difficult to do, but to do properly. And so you don't move straight from understanding that whatever trauma you endured in your childhood uh, to forgiveness, you have quite a few steps you have to do in between. And I teach people how to do that. And forgiveness is the very last thing you do. And it's not just, I forgive this person. It's really finding yourself in them and how you do their ego traits yourself, but in different ways. Once you can do that, then you've really forgiven. And that poison and toxicity that's in your body and held on to hurt. I did this study in 2013 called the Hurt Study, Healing Unresolved Trauma. And what I discovered is that children, well, I mean, I didn't discover this. We already know this. Children don't have fully developed brains. The prefrontal cortex of the brain is not fully developed until you're 26 years old, as a matter of fact. And so all those, you know, 16 to 25-year-olds who think that they're adults and know everything, you know, you just have to have compassion for them and say, well, I was there once too. But they, they definitely still don't have that executive function for fully built in. And so what I discovered is that with that undeveloped brain, when you're going through experiences in childhood, and every one of us has them, I don't care who you are, you have some experience of rejection, some experience that you could not explain and, and were frightened about, um, some experience of fear or, you know, panic. So when those occur with that undeveloped brain, the child's state of development is self-centered. It's supposed to be. We're trying to figure out how to be little humans in a big human world. 
and where our place is and how we function and what's right and what's wrong. And so we make stuff up about whatever these experiences are if we don't have a fully attuned, grounded, very well-developed adult right there to help guide us through. And none of us has that 24-7 when we're growing up. And in fact, I really believe that in the human experience here on life and planet Earth, we're not supposed to. We're actually supposed to go through this kind of stuff so that we gain wisdom in adulthood. So, you know, when you when you think about it in that way and say, okay, in my in my model, the hurt model, in the study that I conducted, I, I discovered that what happens is you have that first experience of hurt or or rejection or betrayal or something you discovered you can't trust, you know, somebody. Uh, then you're going to have a feeling in the body. And that that body feeling will be linked to an emotion of whatever it was, anger, fear, mistrust. And you, so then that creates kind of what you could call wiring or a button in your nervous system. And then you make up a meaning about it. So we'll, I'll use myself as an example. So when I'm in fifth grade, when the... Uh, <laughs> When the intercom would go off in my classroom, I would instantly go into fight or flight because every once in a while, it would be calling me to the vice principal's office. And so every time it went off, it was kind of like Pavlov's dog. And I would go you know, instantly into this fight or flight terror space. And so the meaning I made up about those experiences was because he was telling me it was because I was a bad kid that I have to be perfect to even survive. So that's that's the meaning I made up. The belief I created then is that if I am perfect, then everything will work out. And of course, that's not true, right? All of these meanings we make up and beliefs in childhood, they aren't true because the brain's not fully, completely developed. So, and we're in a self-centric space. You have to understand that this is the wise mind of the child doing the best it can. And so then from there, you're going to create a behavior that is adaptive to your belief. And so for me, I became a perfectionist. Now, Ayurvedic medicine says that everyone with autoimmune disease is a perfectionist, and hardly any of us ever want to acknowledge that in the beginning. And we're always people pleasers too. So, you know, when you, when you back that up then, then I came into adulthood with this perfectionism, and if anyone comes along and pushes my button that I'm not good enough, I'm actually going to go into a fight or flight rather than just be like, you know, oh, well, that's a B minus on a test. That's okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm going to go into this complete meltdown because I don't have an A plus, right? That's how bad it was. If I ran a marathon, I had to run my very best time, you know? And so, of course, that's not a sustainable model of living. And, you know, of course, rheumatoid arthritis becomes the most important almost event that could happen to me to set me down, make me be quiet, make me be still, and start this self-discovery and self-confrontation process that has to happen if you're going to heal from these old experiences. So I know that's a very long answer to your question. Oh gosh, there was so much there. Um, so much. <laughs> and I, 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 for those that are listening that aren't familiar with what Ayurveda is. I, I'm going to post some articles in the show notes um, so that you can go and, and learn more about it. It's, it, it's funny, your story, there, there's so many parallels um, with mine. And Ayurveda um, and the discovery of that 
um, science of life was a huge aha for me and part of my healing PCOS journey. Um, I'm a Vata uh, and and understanding um, that that dosh that Ayurvedic dosha. And if you read my articles, you'll you'll know what that means. Was um, was a huge part of my healing. But and and what was you had a very tweetable comment there, and I meant to write it down. But about fighting fighting yourself, you don't win the battle. Yeah, um, and that's yeah, on my website. I, and what I say is. Um, a body at war, a mind and body at war with itself can never win. Or yeah, when you're at war is, with yourself, there's no winner. I say both of those. Yeah, you just can't. Yeah, I love that. And that's a huge aha, I think, for a lot of women with PCOS. And in my book, I write that I think perfectionism, and it's funny that you um, kind of confirmed that, that, that people with autoimmune have issues with perfectionism. And that is definitely something that I see. Um, I call myself a recovering perfectionist. And so that's something that I think a lot of women listening need to kind of really take a hard look at themselves. Um, but, you know, I, I really am wondering, how do you um, go about unpacking and processing childhood drama in order to, um, to begin healing your chronic illness, whatever that might be. You know, I, uh, I think it, you must have done something um, through, through journaling or meditation to come to that sort of aha that that child in you um, was trying to, like, not be the bad girl anymore and, and needed to be perfect. Like, how can somebody listening start unpacking that trauma? Um. Yeah, this is a, a really good question, and I started to talk about it on stages, um, about stages of development. And so, for example, um, if everybody's heard of Joseph Campbell's uh, hero's journey, I always say that on the hero's journey, I've broken it down to five steps. And first step is to first acknowledge that this happened and then to be willing, and I, I always now say that the two most important words in the English language are willingness and integration. So you have to be willing first to self-confront, then you have to be willing to take whatever you learn in your process to and integrate it into your life. And that's the only way wisdom and growth occur. So... First step then, you know, if we think about the hero's journey is to accept the call to action, which disease is. So if you say, okay, I've got PCOS, you know, it's causing all these symptoms and these problems in my life. I, I can't get rid of the hair on my face, can't get rid of the weight, I can't get pregnant, whatever it is that's happening, right? Then instead of feeling victimized, and that's really key, this is the willingness to not feel victimized and not to feel betrayed anymore that this is being done for me, not being done to me. That's first step. Amen. I and love I'm gonna that. I'm going to repeat it because it's so subtle, but it is a distinction in the way that you approach your life. And it's a difference between a resistance to life and a getting into the flow of life. And when we resist what is, we lose. 
because it's sort of like standing out in the middle of a rapidly flowing river and trying to put your hands out to stop it. It's just not going to happen. And you're just going to drown, right? Knock your head around on the rocks a few times. You're going to choke. You're going to, you know, have such a difficult time. <laughs> Where if you get into the flow and you go, oh, life is handing me this for my growth, not to punish me. So I pause there because I really want people to get this. So it's so huge. And if you say, this is being done for me, not to me, that's first step. And it's the only way you can actually heal. As long as it's being done to you and you're feeling betrayed by your body, by life, by the government, by your husband, by God, by whatever it is, right? That the persecutor who traumatized you in your life um, whatever, the president, you know, there, there's so many places people feel victimized. Um, if you can say, this is being done for me, not to me, now you can step into the flow. And now life, once you proclaim that you're ready to do this, you can find a mentor. So the mentor teaches you skills you don't already have. Now, everybody that's listening to my voice can probably get this, you know, like, oh, yeah, when I first stopped eating gluten, it was so hard <laughs> and I had to have all kinds of mentors, you know, like people that were at the time that I did it. Of course, there were no bloggers and the world that we have today didn't exist, but I had to figure it out, you know, and I had to find some resource of somebody that knew more than I did, you know, in order to do this. And now staying away from gluten is no big deal. I consider it rat poison and I don't even like not even a thing, okay? So it doesn't take any willpower. But in those days, it was really difficult. So, so that's what I mean. At the time that you're presented with a challenge, you don't have the skills to meet it. That's why it's a challenge. So you find a mentor, whatever it is, a book, a podcast, a, you know, a blog, uh, me, uh, Amy, you know, people that are already have been here, done this. But the Chinese have this really beautiful parable that says, if you want to know where you're going, ask someone who's already been there and is coming back and that's what you and I are right we've been there and have come back and so that's how the hero's journey works you you get your mentor you you find out your new skills you then practice the skills this is another thing that I find my patients get really pissed off about is they learn the skill and then life has this beautiful way of giving you opportunities to master the skill and they'll be like can I catch a break? And I say, no, 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 this is your opportunity now to go practice that, right? So once you have mastery, which only can be obtained through practice, 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 now you've mastered it, then the way that this works is you come back, you could say resurrected, right? You're in a new level of development. And now you're stronger, you've mastered these new skills, you're healthier, and now you're what's considered an oracle. So now you're the teacher for people who will be coming along who have to learn what you know. And that's the way it works as, you know, life on, human, on planet Earth is we as humans are each other's teachers and we are students. And sometimes we don't like our teachers. And so the teachers that have really hurt us and betrayed our trust and, you know, whether it's sexual abuse to um, being lied to or rejected, it doesn't matter any of those things, you know, any form of rejection is experienced as a trauma. 
then that person is also your teacher. And like I said, we don't always love the teaching. And so from that place, that's where you say, oh, I need to go find new skills. I've got to master this. So the very first thing is willingness. Now, as far as um, I'm writing a book on, on trauma right now, and uh, what I say in there is, you know, I've just laid down the foundation of how we can talk to each other, but the first step then is to feel safe. And so anytime when I have someone come and see me that I'm, I, I work in a deep immersion retreat environment for trauma, it's the most powerful thing I've discovered, you know, 60 to 90 minute office visits for, for EMDR and brain spotting and hypnotherapy for trauma release are great, but they do not do the same thing as like a trauma release retreat environment can where it's 24 seven. And one of the things I'll say in those environments is the first thing, if I hear someone really say that in their life, they don't feel safe. To me, that's like the very first place we go is to establish a ground of safety. Because if you think about this, if a zebra is being chased by a lion and it thinks about it's about to get eaten for dinner, then the zebra very wisely, it's, it's biochemistry changes. And it says, okay, it's not safe for me to stop and go to the bathroom. So all my digestive stuff's gonna go to sleep. And it's also not safe for me to reproduce. I can't even keep myself alive. Why would I try and keep someone else alive? So I'm definitely not going to have sex right now. I've got a lion on my tail. And so there's your hormones. And what is PCOS? You know, it's an androgen <laughs> problem, right? And so when you think about it in that way, and we're talking specifically about PCOS, we have to establish safety. Because as long as you feel the need for an androgen surge, you're never going to get those to balance. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, that makes that makes perfect sense. And I and I think so many women with PCOS are trying to conceive in this state of of right. feeling like they're in danger, and it might be sort of under the surface, and they don't even realize it. Right. So I'm going to give you a practice. And I don't want anyone to do this that's driving or trying to um, keep a child, you know, from falling underneath the water in a bathtub or, you know, or you need to focus and concentrate. But uh, this is uh, establishing a calm, safe place. And I have this recording on my website if you need it, but it's just easy. You know, you can just do this. And so everybody needs to get comfortable. Everybody, I believe, should be taught this. So all you mothers that are listening to this, uh, teach this to your children. I think all children should learn this at a very young age. We all need a place, a safe place to go to. And I'm not talking about external. A lot of times, you know, as women, our homes are our safe place. But actually, your home can burn down, you know. It can... <laughs> It can have black mold. It can it can be broken into. It can have you can get into a conflict with somebody else that lives in it. You know, I'm talking about inside of yourself. Everybody needs a safe place to go to that is within that nobody else can come to. Just yours, just yours. So this is basically your root chakra. Okay, is in charge of safety, and your root chakra is the place that we sit on the earth with. And so if you don't have an earth, 
a piece of earth that you feel is stable and will support you and hold you, then you're always going to be in some state of fight or flight and you will not be conceiving and you won't be holding a healthy pregnancy. You'll be miscarrying if you can conceive and you have all kinds of other issues. So what I want everybody to do is to close your eyes if you can. And I want you to really like put your left hand on your belly and your right hand on your heart. I want you to take a deep breath through your nose. And I want you to feel your left hand move out as if you're pregnant with your breath. So in other words, you're breathing down into your belly. It's expansive with your inhalation. And as you exhale, it goes in towards your spine as you fully empty yourself of that breath. And your right hand over your heart should feel no movement. I don't want you breathing into your chest. I just want you breathing into your belly. So try that a couple of times until your right hand is still and your left hand moves out with your in-breath and in with your out-breath. called diaphragmatic breathing. And if you can do that, just that, you cannot be anxious. You guys try it next time you're anxious. Hold your breath down into your belly where your chest doesn't move. It will stimulate your vagus nerve in such a way that you cannot be anxious. Good thing to do before you eat, before you get in the car, before you make love with your spouse or yourself. Okay, so now that you're nice and relaxed, now I want you to think about in your mind, what is a safe place on the earth that you love to visit? So, or a peaceful place? Is it the ocean? Is it a mountaintop? Is it a meadow? Is it a place in a forest? Is it by a river or a burbling brook? Is it a secret garden that no one else can get into, that there's a beautiful gate and a key? And a little swing that's got flowers running up the rope that you can sit on, or a hammock that you can lie in. This is, doesn't have to be anywhere you've ever been. I want you to use the right brain, your imagination side. And I want you to build yourself a place. It's just for you. And once you have it, I want you to put in all the colors, all the rich, vibrant textures. How does it feel? How does it look? What's the temperature of the, the air? How does that air feel against your skin? How does the ground feel beneath your feet? What are the sounds? What are the smells? How does it taste? How does the air taste? Is it salty? Is it pine? Floral? 
clean. This is only your place, only you go here. And it's not in a house unless it's a house you've built that's just for you. Now ask yourself how you feel being here. Do you feel peaceful? Do you feel relaxed? Do you feel calm, safe? Whatever that feeling is that you have, repeat that word. If it's calm, say calm three times in your mind. Where do you feel the calm in your body? In your belly, in your jaw, in your heart, in your throat, in your shoulders? Where does it live? What color is it? Is your word freedom? What color is freedom in this body part? What color is calm? What color is peace? And then repeat your cue word. That's what that's called. It's a cue word. Three more times while you visualize the color and the place that it lives in your body. And when you're ready, go ahead and open your eyes. So that's the first step in a longer process that I do with all of the people that I work with on zoom or you know remotely or in my office or in retreat settings there's a lot more to it but what you're doing is now you've just gotten a new skill now you have to master it you need to practice it so what you're going to do with this is go there several times during the day at a time when you already feel like you are relaxed enough to engage in it this is sort of like the old 1980s campaign, just say no to drugs. You're practicing ahead of time, okay? In a time of peace. So that you're really imprinting it into yourself. Then when you have, let's say on a scale of zero to 10, 10 is your most tweaked or triggered or angry or upset or anxious. Zero is the calmest that you are. Think about like, if if you have a one or a two situation in your life, like you keep telling, you're asking your husband to pick the towel up off the floor when he's done with the shower and you walk in and there it is lying on the bathroom floor again and you just go, you know, practice right then. Because that's just like a one or a two. I mean, usually for me, pick something that's a one or a two for you. And, and then do that practice right then. Say your keyword. Drop into the place in your body where you feel it. Visualize the place that you've created for yourself and hang out there for a couple of minutes. Just breathe into your belly and hang out there. You're practicing self-care at the highest form. Getting a massage, going to a float tank, getting a mani-pedi, those are all fine, but they're not really teaching you a skill for self-soothing. This teaches you how to move out of Zebra being chased by a lion to zebra being able to peacefully graze in a field where it can listen to the birds and it can feel the air on its fur and it can 
understand that the ground underneath it is supporting it and it can take in information from the rest of the herd and it's not in dashing for the horizon for survival mode is where a lot of us live today so that's that's first step that's such a great tool i i call it you know having tools um like essential oils and and um, different supplements and food in your, your healing PCOS toolkit. And Dr. Keisha, you just gave us a powerful new tool um, for our toolkit. It's a beautiful, beautiful visualization. So we don't, you know, we're kind of, we're running out of time. And I feel like we just scratched the surface of this huge topic. But I know you have so many resources for listeners that are dealing with overcoming trauma and to continue um, the healing process. Can you share those with us? Sure. Um, the first thing that I always tell everybody, and if you, if you go onto my website on drkeisha.com, and it says apply to become a patient. And if you become a patient of mine, the first thing that my office manager will ask you to do, and so it's what I always say to people too, is to read Solving the Autoimmune Puzzle because it pre-educates you and it gives you a bunch of these kinds of exercises that you can do in sort of a worksheet format. I wrote it to help people help themselves. And so I would say get that book and read it very, very first. And then if you find that, you that you're just scratching the surface and there's there's more that you would like to do to develop into a, a more emotionally resilient more powerful being then emotional resilience is uh something that's being talked a lot about in the scientific literature nowadays but it's not not a lot of tools are being given for it and i have this program that i put together as a result of that for people to help themselves it's very inexpensive it's called you unbroken you can do it from your own computer and it's based on just different stages and levels of, of learning how to become more and more emotionally resilient. And the easiest way to explain what that means is you, you stay more in the zebra being able to graze in its herd <laughs> rather than being chased by a lion. And, you know, it's parasympathetic nervous system tone over sympathetic nervous system tone, which both of them are important. You can't be too parasympathetic dominant um, also. So it teaches you how to tell the difference and how to move with ease from one state to the next in your nervous system where it's under your control rather than uh, a lot of people don't know that for every five minutes you're upset, it takes your body eight hours to recover. And that's wow, just a that's staggering cool. number. Staggering. I mean, you know, when I first learned that I was in my 30s, and I, at that point, I remember just sort of like crumbling internally going, I'm so sorry, body, you know, because I can think of all the five minute increments I've been upset, and I was in so much debt to this poor body. And so, you know, and just really learning how to make that more one to one. For every minute I'm upset, it takes me a minute to recover, you know, and getting some break even space in there. That's what that program's for. And then um, I do for people that really want to dive deeply and, and really get this out, you know, and rewire their brains and, and do it in a really powerful way. I do these deep immersion retreats 
um, we have our next one at the end of this month and then the following will be in September. I only have eight people at a time and it's, it's just this most remarkable um, trauma healing technique that I do that works very rapidly and it's, it's incredible. So there's that and then I teach people at the Academy for Integrative Medicine how to become health coaches and you know do lab testing and, and of certain functional medicine kinds and then also emotional work with people so it's um becoming a lot of times like i mean as i was saying i mean you and i both became called once we had learned this for ourselves to go out and help other people that's no different from our tribes you know we we empower people and then everyone's coming to them for help and so i i built this program for what I call the summit junkie. <laughs> the person who has learned how to turn their own stuff around and now everybody else is coming to them and they're just these passionate learners. And so that's what this program's for, is for you. And you can become a, a certified integrated medicine health coach and learn how to do what I do. So those are basically the kind of levels that I work with people at. Well, you are such a true healer, Dr. Keishan. I'm so grateful that you came on the, the podcast again and kind of help women understand, you know, what's going on with the connection between trauma and autoimmune disease. So thank you for taking the time to talk to us today and, and to give us that beautiful oh, visualization. Oh, it was my pleasure. Everybody, make sure you love yourself. Well, I... I Definitely agree with that. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And I look forward to being with you all again very soon. Bye-bye. Well, that wraps up our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on the PCOS Diva podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you liked this episode, remember to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at PCOSDiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye-bye.